Do you wonder if others are dealing with the same project management challenges as you? Not sure where to turn for guidance and leadership? Office Hours are in session as we discuss project management and PMOs with global leaders, hearing their story and learning their secrets to success. Our goal is to empower you and help you elevate your PMO and project management career to new heights. Welcome back to Project Management Office Hours with your host, PMO Joe. Welcome, everyone, to Project Management Office Hours. We're the number one live project management radio show in the United States, broadcasting to you from the Phoenix Business Radio X studios. I'm your host, PMO Joe. And for the next hour or so, we're going to be talking with our special guests with us today, joining us from Italy. And we'll get to their introductions introductions in just a moment. But here, uh, as we finish up the year, I want to be able to say thank you to everybody who has helped us during the year. This is our fifth season. Hard to imagine we've been doing this for five years and over 100 episodes. But I'm just the voice and the face of the show. There's so many people in the background uh, that make all of this happen. So I want to take a moment to thank everybody who makes the show be a great success. Our champion from the beginning has been Karen Nowicki, who's the owner of Phoenix Business Radio X. And certainly without her support and confidence in me, none of this would have been possible. So thank you, Karen. The man behind the microphone and the camera over here is Daryl Robinson. Daryl helps us out every show that we do. Usually we, we never think about the people behind the screen or behind the microphone. But those are the people that make all of this come out the way it needs to. So thank you, Daryl, for making all of this happen. I really appreciate it. Of course, we've got a team back in Atlanta that helps us with our editing, our promotions, the administrative work. Uh, so for everybody back there, thank you so much as well. And then, of course, our guests, right? We've had five seasons worth of guests. And this year we had a continued great lineup. Uh, we were live from Ukraine uh, with some guests as well during the year. We had people from all over the world. Um, so it's been a fantastic year. I'm simply the guy in front of the microphone and in front of the camera that's asking the questions and facilitating the discussions. But the reality is it's one big team effort to make all of this happen. So thank you to everybody. A reminder also for everyone in our industry that uh, professional development units, PDUs, are important to make sure we keep our certifications up to date. Each of these shows goes about an hour. That means you get one PDU. We're over 100, and 100 shows, so you've got all your PDUs you need to uh, make sure that you get your certifications current. Uh, so I encourage you to go out there and listen to the show. Some amazing guests we've had on with fantastic insights to help you in your career. So that's it for our announcements today. I am super excited to be able to have with us today from Italy, as I mentioned, Fabio Zaffanini and Claudio Spadia. Thank you so much, both of you, for joining. Fabio, Fabio, if you could take a moment just to say hello and, and introduce yourself to everybody, that would be fantastic. Yeah, I'm Italian. My name is Fabio and... Um... I started my career as a marine geologist doing some research for a research, a research center here in Italy. And then I focused a little bit later on on technology transfer and R&D for private uh, research centers. In 2011, I, I started getting interested in the startups. So I founded a startup called Trail Me Up. And we used to create virtual reality experiences of hiking trails that didn't really work but it was a lot of fun and I learned a lot from that 
And afterwards, I founded Rocking 1000 with some friends that now is a, is a global community of musicians. And we organize concerts where a thousand musicians play simultaneously in big stadiums. So basically, this is like a very short summary of my life. Thank you so much, Fabio. And we have you guys on today because, uh, well, we'll get to the full story about the, the video and everything, but you're a project manager as well. Whether or not you have that in title or you organized, I think, one of the most impressive projects in, in our current lifetime. Uh, and, and I think that's why we're here today to learn more about that. So thank you so much. Claudio, if you could uh, take a moment to say hello and introduce yourself as well. I'm Claudia Spadoni, and I start here as a project manager of a mus musical and cultural events. I work for Filmaster events for more than 10 years, and I collaborated like a production manager and artistic producer uh, to some um, uh, festivals of uh, the founder of Rocking Thousand. All right, fantastic. Thank you, Claudia, so much for being on with us today. So let's get to the story, right? For, for me, this is how this happened. One day I'm just surfing YouTube, watching music videos because I love music and I just want to see what's going on. I, I love the Foo Fighters. So I type in Foo Fighters into the search channel and, and this Rockin' 1000 thing pops up and I'm like, what in the world is this? So I click over and watch it. As I'm watching it, I, I'm starting to feel emotional, right? Like tears coming down my eyes. It, it really moved me. I was like, this is... This is amazing. And I highly recommend for everybody that you go watch the video. We'll put the link up here in a moment. But what I was watching was not the Foo Fighters. What I was watching was a, a call, a, a passion play to the Foo Fighters. And Fabio will, will ask you to tell the story in a minute. But during the video, at one point, when the music ends and you grab the microphone and you start talking, you say, I've been working on this fucking project for one year, thinking about every day how I'm going to make this happen. And as a project manager, my, it just clicked in my brain. I said, yes, this is a project and I have a show. So I have to have Fabio and the team on the show at some point to hear the story of how this project happened. And in our industry, project managers sometimes are boring and it's dull and it's just tedious. <laughs> but this one really has emotion and passion and purpose and entertainment to it. So Fabio, if, if you can just kind of share the, how did it all start? How did it happen? And then, you know, we obviously we've got a lot of questions about the details down the road, but the origin, right? Who had the crazy idea that we're going to get a thousand musicians together and, and play a Foo Fighters song? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, it, it, it was like, a. A crazy ideas, you know, one of those ideas that you sometimes have at some point. But the really hard part was not just having a crazy idea, it's just actually to make it happen. So uh, I, I live in a very small town in Italy. It's called Cesena. I'm a Foo Fighters fan. And I, I really, at some point, I really wanted Foo Fighters to come and play in my hometown and this is something that would have never happened in such a small place because if Foo Fighters ever come to Italy, they come to Milan or, or Rome or anyway, big cities. Mm -hmm. So in order to convince them, uh, I needed something crazy to make, to, to make some sort of crazy request. So 
one day I, this idea popped out in my mind and I had this feeling that if we put on a sort of tribute to the band, the biggest tribute ever made, uh, probably Dave Grohl would have been convinced to come over and play a gig. So uh, I had this idea of like uh, asking 1,000 musicians to perform all together simultaneously in a park one of their songs that was Learn to Fly. This idea in the beginning was something that I just had, but as days went by, uh, it turned into sort of obsession. So I could not stop thinking about it. So when I realized that that that, that was actually the first th- my first thought in the morning every day for weeks, I then started asking some friends who actually had some experience in in project management and events organizations and video making and so on to help me out because being a marine geologist, I really had no experience at all in the event management. So that's when like Claudia comes out and other friends. So I I pitched my idea. Everyone were like kind of uh, enthusiastic about it. So we started working on that and we started facing and uh, every small problem that we had on a daily basis. We tried to like solve all these problems. It took one year to raise the money through a crowdfunding campaign, to raise, to raise musicians that we recruited online. It's been tough and intense, but after one year, we were actually able to put on this stunt. We made a video out of that and the video just went viral. It made like millions of views in a few days. And right after publishing the video, Dave Grohl himself published online on YouTube another video thanking us for this tribute, promising to come over to Cesena and give a concert, which is something that happened a few months later for the European tour. They decided to come and play in the biggest venue that we have. It's called Carisport. It has like a capacity of 3,000 people. So we just had this amazing concert by Foo Fighters for 3,000 people. And obviously, the ones who were there attending the concert were like musicians and the donors of the crowdfunding campaign, all the volunteers and everyone involved. So it was like a big party among friends having Foo Fighters on stage. And that's actually the beginning of how Project of Rocking 1000 just started. Yeah, so that's... and. You know, you, you mentioned the video. It's it's 61 million views later, right? So this is viral to the max uh, that's happened out there. And yeah, it's been like one of the most seen videos in the world in 2015. So it's been like, I mean, we, we didn't expect this at all. But uh, getting to see so many people having fun playing, doing what they love the most is probably what, it made the video go viral, even if we were not uh, a bunch of unknown people from Italy doing something crazy. Yeah, I love it. And and just to how it's impacted an individual, again, I'm not part of any of this. And the day I saw that video is about two and a half or so years ago. I've watched the video every day since, right? It beca- It's <laughs> now part of my routine as an inspirational thing to watch because you can just see... The, you go to a concert, you've all been to concerts, right? And you can see how much fun people are having 
But you watch this video and you can see something more. It's just something about that video, at least for me, it connected in a way. So now every day I start my day with that video to make sure that I have inspiration for what I do. So your crazy idea is out there to create Rockin' 1000, but I'm sure it's inspiring people all over the world to do what their rock, their version of Rockin' 1000, right? For me, it's this radio show. I followed you to, to track you down, to get you to be on the show, just like you guys did with the Foo Fighters. So thank you for that. And, and also just to say, I think Dave Grohl was touched so much. His response back, you mentioned that video. He did that in Italian, right? He, he didn't even yeah. speak back in English. He respected you so much for what you did that he spoke yeah. in your language. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it, yeah, I, I, I agree. It's like something very powerful that we, did, we didn't plan, to be honest, but it just happened. I mean, being there, having a thousand people coming from all over the country with their own instrument, their own expenses, doing what they love the most, which is like playing and doing something that we didn't really know back in the days, whether it was like actually possible to synchronize a thousand people. So this like sort of challenge, almost impossible challenge to accomplish is what really brought together so many people in the beginning and uh, the feel of, of so many instruments that are synchronized and play at unison is something that was so surprising and powerful that actually people back then went nuts. I mean, they, they, they were like, uh, uh, for, for many of them, and, and, and one of those, that was probably one of the best and more most exciting days in their own life. And this is something that you can like feel and breathe while watching to that video. And in that case, the, the, the video director, uh, Anita, was so good in making that, like, in, in passing them through the images. That was really authentic, and that's probably the reason why that's so powerful. Absolutely. And Claudia, you know, you go from a crazy idea in Fabio's head that he shares with a few friends, and we see on this end a video. Yeah. But in between, there's probably thousands of steps yeah. that are taking place to make all of that become reality. How, how does the crazy idea turn into something? Is, is there a, is that project management? Did you, did you actually try to organize this and plan everything out the way it needed to be? Yeah, uh, we, we, we start for, from the people and um, we create a different area of work. And um, in fact, we have to create a team for the video production as Fabio told, and we have to produce something that that uh, never been produced for the sound aspect. We have to do uh, everything with a low low cost budget. Uh, we have to manage uh, one thousand musician by the app for the musical preparation and for the logistic infos, and uh, we need to communicate to uh, everybody uh, to get together musician and founds. So yes, it was a, a, a very a particular activity of a project management. Yeah. And I would imagine, right, that, uh, as you said, there's a production team, there's a guitar team, there's a drums team, there's an advertising team, a, a fundraising team. How do you get all of them to work yeah. together to try to make this 
because the timing has to be there. You have to have enough budget by a certain amount of time to book the equipment and, and you have to have the equipment in place to be able to have the musicians use it. So how do you organize all of that? So the right things happen at the right time. Was that planned or did that just, eh, let's see how it goes. We'll, we'll figure it out along the way. Yeah, we have a, 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 um, I think a horizontal uh, organization because we have the different team with each team a different model of organization. I think, for example, the video team had a film setting or organization like a movie. Uh, the management of the musician, I think, is like an Olympic ceremony model. And um, the communication uh, had strategy to to be a viral and a viral and uh, have a a viral scope. So every every team is uh, different, but I think every team probably had the right uh, <laughs> the right street to to go to the goal. So I would imagine there's probably a little bit of chaos involved in all of that. Fabio, did anybody say, I can't handle it. This is just too much. Did uh, you, You've got a, a passion play and a thousand people coming together, but you know, sometimes it doesn't work for everybody. Did, did anybody quit on you guys? How did, how did the team dynamics work? Well, I have to say that like when they, uh, when we started to like raise the early adopters, we would like go to people with a certain mindset. So uh, to, 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 to enter something like this, you, you need to be like a little crazy, I, I have to say. So there, was, there has been like a sort of selection in the very beginning of the, of the people involved. So we didn't really have quitters. We had people that probably underestimated how tough it was working. So they helped us with what they had and with the amount of time that they had. And some of them at some point said, okay, this is like a too tough, but not, not, I don't believe in the idea or I'm not having fun or I don't like it or, or other excuses like this or, or other reasons like these. Uh, it's like, it's more of, okay, I thought I could work like uh, couple of couple of hours per week and in the end it was like working our ass off like every day at night in every pause that we had so it's been like intense so probably this is like the reason why we had a few people that over time didn't work as much as planned and that just made me think as you were speaking right you mentioned at the beginning you were a geologist you have this yeah. idea and now it's consuming you did you leave your job? Did you, I mean, how did you, what happened with you, right? How did you make this happen? Uh, well, personally, I, I mean, uh, I, being a researcher was quite free in, my, in the management of my time. Mm -hmm. So I went, I went on working as a marine geologist. I didn't have to go on the sea working on research vessels and so on. So I was home. And, uh, but no, I didn't quit my job. I just, I, I quit my job like afterwards, right. afterwards, after like uh, a few years, because it was, it, I mean, it wasn't like economically sustainable in terms of like paying people or giving money to all the ones involved on the first year. 
So only afterwards we have to build like a, a economic and sustainability model to make it work and make it even profitable or sustainable under an economical point of view. So back then, all of us had to like work on their everyday work, everyday job, and then uh, try to like uh, work on that any second that they had free. Yeah, so that that's a good point. Everybody was a volunteer, basically. Yeah, right? it, it, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yes. all the cost went to cover the equipment and and the setup and all that stuff. Wow, that's yeah. That that's the but the budget. Yes, the budget was very low. Now I realize that it was really low, but back then it seemed to me like it was like crazy high. I mean, I was saying like to Claudia, are you sure like 40,000 euros for something like that? It, it, it seems to me like an incredible amount of money, but now after years, I realize how low budget it was. Yeah. That's, and, and also we'll, we'll talk about this as we go along, but a movie's also been made. And in the movie, there's a little bit talk about some budget stuff where you're saying, hey, we're running out of money. We, we, what are we going to cut corners on? What are we going to do? And for us project managers out there, we run into this all the time, right? We have a project. We start it. We think we know the budget. You get in the middle of it and you're like, oops, we need more, right? So for you guys, you were crowdsourcing. You just have to keep going back to the people asking for more money. Yeah, I mean, uh, we didn't have, like, we were looking for sponsors yeah. too, but we were like a bunch of unknown people with no uh, story behind us. So it's what, it was very hard to, to raise funds uh, and raise uh, uh, sponsors. We tried, we raised something, but we thought that uh, being something from the bottom, involving musicians from the bottom, involving people, involving the local community, it was easier for us to raise some money that way with the promise one day to like convince Foo Fighters to come over. I mean, it was, I mean, people didn't really believe this, that it was actually possible. Uh, but in the end, they gave, they gave what they had even to help the local community uh, do something weird. Yeah. And, and Claudia from a, like a project manager's mindset, you've talked about how you've got your project management background. Were you like concerned? Like, oh my gosh, the budgets, we're running out of money. How do we manage this? What was what was your perspective on how all of the finances on that work? For me, 40,000 was a very low budget also in the 2015. But um, was not so so easy, like uh, Fabio told, uh, do the fundraising uh, for that. We plan also party to have the fund or sell uh, beers during uh, the event because of what not 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 so easy, and uh, we had to delay part of uh, of um, the cost every time. The people involved. Uh, come uh, for free and uh, they work for free. So it was possible uh, also for that. And, and the other thing people will see right when they watch the video is it, it looked like it was a beautiful sunny day at the park because you're outside. Mm-hmm. But, but what if it rained? I mean, did you have multiple days, Brooke? Because if you're trying to get a thousand people to show up at one day, do you, how do you, what's plan B, right? What happens if it rains on that day? Uh, usually, uh, the rain uh, is 
a taboo word. <laughs> we can uh, we can uh, speak about rain. Now, if it rains, a musician cannot play. If uh, if if, uh, if it uh, really rains, a musician cannot. So no if, plan uh, B. <laughs> there was no plan no. B. That's amazing. Uh, so good fortune. I know in, in some of your, your other videos you've done since then, I, I've seen where it, it has rained uh, and you guys have had to deal with that. So uh, contingency yeah. planning is get the towels out, dry things off and, and hope it doesn't <laughs> rain during the show, I guess. Yeah. But also, it, again, we think music and we think a band of, you know, five or seven people maybe show up together and, and they play at a concert or a venue. <laughs> but you were having a, a thousand people. How do you find out where a thousand people fit? Right. I mean, how does, how do you have a place big enough? Uh, so, you know, you, I guess you ended up in a park, but how do you go about just finding somewhere big enough to fit everyone? Well, that was like a, an easy part. I mean, there was like this park in Cesena that was like quite big. It's like, there's like no trees, it's all flat. So basically it was easy to, to put all these people in there the mayor and the local uh, administration gave us the possibility to go there and uh, make some noise. That's how it worked. And that, that was an easy part. Is there like a monument or a plaque or something there now to commemorate this is where it's, where it happened? Uh, yeah, they wanted to make like a monument, but I, I mean, it, it didn't happen, but, but I mean, everyone in here, as they go there, they remember what happened on that day. I, I think I have to make a trip to Sasena to go visit this place and just lay on the ground and like make snow angels in the in the grass right uh, of where it is. Yeah. So th the other thing you mentioned again, this is a project management show, so I try to bring thoughts back to project management. When when we do a project, it's usually cross functional teams, right? It's people from different parts of an organization trying to work together for a common cause to produce some good or service. And that's hard, right? I mean, it, it's hard to get people to do something that isn't part of their normal routine. Yeah. In your case, you got a thousand musicians to play a song together when we know if I'm a guitar player, I like to have a solo. If I'm a drum player, I like to have a solo. If I'm a singer, I like to, you know, sure you have medleys, but I want to have my voice be heard. How do you get everybody a thousand people to play together. Well, I think that in terms of like the participation of each musician, that came out like kind of naturally. I mean, it it would be like impossible to express yourself in that way, like being the the solo performer when there's so many people. I mean, you're in the middle of uh, a, a sort of stage that is as big as a football field. You're surrounded by like literally hundreds of musicians. So it, there, it, it wouldn't be possible to like uh, to stand out in that way. And uh, people so, sort of naturally fit this collective way of playing because there is no other way. But on the other side, I think that everybody could like somehow express their personality in, in playing because they could like wear whatever they want. They could every musician had the specific way of playing their instruments. So we had like those 
very technical guitar players like that tend to have the guitar very close to the neck and they have like more punk style players that they like roll their they, they, they roll their their arms on the guitar so all of them could like play in their own way and dress their own way and do whatever they wanted to do to uh, but they had their square you know and they and they wouldn't go out of their square so that's a kind of co- yeah, it's 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 weird this balance between uh, playing together, but at the same time, be yourself. Yeah, and I think for me that was that's where the emotion came into play because it was the it was a single sound with all uniqueness built inside of it, and to see that many people come together to produce a single sound that that was special, right? That's that because. I work in a world where that doesn't happen, right? People don't get as excited about, we're going to implement the CRM system this week, right? (laughs) You know, it's a little bit different. So that emotional connection that I think created of all of these people having the energy, and even at the end, right, you spoke at the end and you said, let's make some noise for the Foo Fighters. As I was watching that, I was like, this is all of the energy boiling up and everybody at once just saying how grateful they were to have an opportunity, right? it was, the, I can't imagine what the energy was like to be in there at that moment when, when that eruption happened of all the sound. What, what was that like for you guys? I mean, I personally, you know, when such crazy things and happen, personally, it's like for me living in a bubble. I don't really, I wasn't really realizing what was happening I was very excited. I got emotional many times. I, I, I cried like a baby multiple times throughout the day when we, when we realized that actually we could like sync everyone, that the drummers could play simultaneously, that we could add all the different sections and make that work. I mean, it was a surprise, but I wasn't really able to realize what was happening and that's probably one of the things that I, I, I'm still really bad at that. And this is, is, a, is, a, this is an area of improvement that I would like to have in my way of experiencing what, ha- what happens every day or in special occasions. Because I think that I missed something, you know, mm. but it was like... Uh, uh, so overwhelmed by everything that was happening that, I don't know, I was happy, I was excited, but not really aware. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's happened, I think, to all of us, right? Where you're, you're, you're in the middle of an event or speaking or just at a party or just hanging out and people afterwards say, how was it? And you can't really remember the things that happened during it, right? You were, you were present, but you didn't yeah. consume it, right? So and I- it's also very hard to explain because... What happened afterwards is that uh, all the people who were there playing and having fun together, actually, they were like experiencing something very powerful that is very hard to explain outside of it. So it was basically possible to share those moments only among those who were actually there. And it was really hard to like pass the feelings that we had back then outside uh, and, and, and explain that to other people. Yeah, that's another thing that is very complicated to do. Yeah. And again, we you don't see it during the original video, but you'll see in the movie, the orchestra director actually asks everybody, 
do you commit to playing together, right? It, he's getting the confirmation from everyone that, you know, don't, no solos here. You all agreed to do that. Was that planned? Like how, what was the thought process to be able to go ask them that question to make them commit to it? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, the orchestra leader had concerns. I mean, being experiencing, like managing like orchestras that people who never met before, who never had any experience of playing in an orchestra, they could like, do whatever they wanted and not follow rules. So he came up with this idea of making this sort of, to ask everybody to, to make promises to, to how, uh, how, I don't know how to call it, to promise that they wouldn't like play during the pause, that they, that they had to follow every single note and not change everything. And we were also like uh, worried that people would come there and get drunk mm. right after being there. So we, we decided not to give out beers throughout the day during the rehearsals because we were worried that everybody would be drunk at some point. So, yeah. I, I mean, you know, these are all fears that we had back then. Uh, but, but, but now we know that there wasn't really need to be so concerned because everybody, when they were there, they were really focused and wanted to play well. Yeah. I mean, and it comes across, you're watching the video and you just, again, I salute the videographer for all of this as well, because the different shots of like the drummers in sync, when you're watching, I don't know, hundreds of drummers at the same time hitting their drums. I mean, it's, it, it visually, it's just an amazing uh, performance that y'all did. Um, Claudia, uh, for you, another question would be, you know, I mentioned the quote earlier where Fabio says, I've, I've been thinking about this project for a year and, and making it happen. But how did you make that project happen? And how did that change your life, if ever? Because it's got to be like the biggest project you've ever done, right? I mean, is, is that life changing? Does that, how does it affect you and impact you afterwards? Yeah, for sure. I, I was an event project manager and uh, I did uh, also very big uh, event but uh, rocking thousand uh, is uh, different from any other events because uh, is our problem with us fabio told uh, we uh, didn't expect uh, what we did so so rocking thousand is different from uh, any other project i did when uh, we did it uh, it's uh, like uh, uh, something uh, is born because the people want to do it again. Uh, the people uh, ask us uh, when uh, we when and what uh, we we can do. The people ask us to to do it again. So it's uh, uh, it's very different from uh, and it's a different challenge from other events and it's uh, sometimes very difficult. But I love it. And Fabio, I'd say. Oftentimes we think about the event or planning the event, but then there's the afterwards, right? And at some point, somebody must have said, boy, that was amazing. We should do that again. Uh, and, and then Rockin' 1000 wasn't just an event. It became an organization and, it, and there was more that came afterwards. So how did all of that happen? What Didn't everybody say enough? I can't do this ever again. Or, or was there so much excitement that you created the organization? Oh, well, there was definitely a lot of excitement when the video came out and it 
started to make millions of views and they replied and he came over and people said, okay, next year, do it again. Do it for uh, you to do it for Red Hot Chili Peppers, do it for like Bruce Springsteen. But we were, we knew that these things just happened once. And so a change was needed if we wanted to move on. Uh, we couldn't stop because our musicians went nuts. We had like many, many people writing us like thousands of emails saying, go on, do something just next year. And so, but uh, we, we also have to find like some sort of model to make it sustainable. So we, we humbly proclaimed ourselves the biggest rock band on earth because at least in terms of number, we can say that. Yeah. And we said, okay, let's just, uh, uh, Rocking 1000 is not just a, a tribute to Foo Fighters. For like uh, all those who were there were surprised. So let's do a concert next year. So uh, let's try to sell tickets. Uh, let's play in a stadium. Uh, let's make uh, an entire set list of 18 songs, not just one. And it has to be live. So we really raised the bar a lot in 2016. The budget obviously followed this race, you know. And so we made another crowdfunding campaign. And we started, and this helped us to test whether a concert was, uh, could, be, could, could work. Because, you know, you, you make a crowdfunding campaign, you know, in advance whether people are interested in your product or not. Mm -hmm. So we said, if we are able to sell at least like 5,000 tickets, we do it. If we see through the crowdfunding campaign that that is not possible, then we're not going to do this because it's too risky and too expensive. Uh, the crowdfunding campaign went very well. We were able to sell really lots of, lots of tickets, uh, some sponsors, uh, showed up. So basically, on the year after, we decided to make this dramatic change. And that was the beginning of the new life uh, of Rockin' 1000, where I, I have to say that really everything changed. It wasn't about like, a, it wasn't just about having fun and doing something crazy. It was, like, it was about building something say, uh, more concrete and stable and with a vision in the future. I guess it, it was an example of a project with, with a specific purpose, right? Get Foo Fighters, come play a concert in Italy. And you, yeah. had, you had success. So then you're like, wow, we can keep going. This, it was like a project led to an organization. I mean, usually it's the other way around, right? An organization yeah. has a project. But you guys had such a powerful movement that it, it created something bigger than what the original purpose was. Oh yeah, I mean, it, it, this is this just happened because everything went beyond an expectation, and uh, and even psychologically, the idea of changing when you're at the peak of your unexpected su success is a kind of complicated thing because normally we would tend to like uh, go on following what actually worked, uh, repeating uh, basically the same thing with some changes. But in our case, we, 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 we thought that this wasn't possible. So we had to maintain what we knew that could work, but 
put around that something completely different and more mature. So let me let me ask a, a question also is, again, in the movie, you see this. I wasn't aware of this, of course, but you guys do the video. You get Dave Grohl to respond. And before they come play, you actually get invited to a Foo Fighter concert here in the United States in Washington, right, to, to meet them. So I'm just, again, I don't know, Fabio, we just, we've talked a couple of times. And so I'm just getting to know you, but I'm assuming you're just an average guy living in Italy, has an idea. And then a year later, you're backstage hanging out with the Foo Fighters. What was that like for you? Yeah, again, it was like a bubble. I mean, I couldn't, I, I mean, it, it, it felt unreal when I was like sitting in front of Dave Grohl talking about like music and our experience and, uh, and other stuff. I was like uh, asking myself, is this really happening? You know, is, that, is, is this real? But uh, actually Foo Fighters, Dave and Taylor Hawkins and Pat, they were really welcoming and very friendly. So they, they really helped me and all the rest of the team who was actually there to feel like home and being like, and having a chat with some friends and some tequila. So <laughs> it was fun. It was definitely fun. I mean, Dave Grohl is exactly what you hope he is. You know, sometimes you're kind of scared that your uh, hero or idol when you meet him or her is totally different from what you expected. Uh, but I, I have to say that Dave Grohl is actually like that. He's like a really nice and funny guy. And I, and the reason I asked that is because again, in our project management context, a lot of times the project manager isn't a, a senior person in an organization, but they're running a project and they have to meet the CEO or the CFO. And for them, that's kind of like you meeting Dave Grohl, right? For them, it's, they're meeting somebody they've never had a chance to interact with before. And you find out most of the time, they're just another person like you and I are. Yeah. And, and so that's in project management world that happens all the time as well. And a lot of times we get overwhelmed by that. So it's, thanks for sharing that and, and your reaction to that. Cause the other thing is you had the foresight to have a camera crew with you when you met them. I mean, that was another part of the, the brilliance of what you guys did is you recorded all of this. So this, yeah. this project didn't just happen. There's a recording of all of it. And, and as a project manager, that I, like, I want to dive into that detail and just dissect all of it because it's just such an amazing project. Yeah, I mean, we knew right from the very beginning that that was uh, a good idea and something could, re it, it, you know, we, we say in Italy, it doesn't work. But if it works, we better have a, some backup or something, you know? So yeah. let's film it. One day we might be use it. That's exactly what happened. I mean, that, that was amazing. And, and Claudia, for, for you, stuff doesn't just happen. Uh, you know, it, it, it did happen. Uh, but you had to plan things. Did you have, like, team meetings? Did you, you know, because you picture rock and roll and it's loose and, and you kind of just get it done. But, but you were organizing an event right? How did you guys plan that? Did you get together and meet? What was that like? It's very, very rock and roll <laughs> because <laughs> we had a, a very few number of meetings, very, very may, maybe only one in person because we, we were in different cities and we worked in the 
in the part, different part of the days, uh, considering our work, our job. And uh, so it's very, very different from, from uh, every, every <laughs> unusual event because uh, we had the message on WhatsApp uh, or uh, some email and very few <laughs> meetings. Very strange. Yeah, and, and that's a good point, right? Because as we're having this conversation, it's, it's bringing project management thoughts to my mind of you were all working your regular job. And this was an additional project on top of that. And in our project management world and, and corporate world, yeah. that's what happens, right? We, we run a project and all of the project team members have a regular job and then we assign them to the project mm -hmm. as well. Usually they're not very excited to be on that project because it's taking away from their day job. I think you guys were excited to work on your, your uh, additional project. But did you find conflicts with people in their, their day job that maybe they couldn't do what they needed to or maybe they were late trying to do something because... Again, they, they were doing the job to get paid while they were volunteering for this as well. We had no problem of, for that. I think uh, anyone has. And um, we work on in the weekend, uh, during the weekend uh, or uh, in the evening. Uh, so it was okay with our job. No problem. But it was very difficult. And, and Fabio, at, at some point, crazy idea. People working on it. It's like, okay, let's do it. We're, we're asking for money. There must have been a moment in time where he kind of said, wow, I think it's actually going to happen. Like, wh what, was, what was that moment for? Because like, that's not the day of the event. I'm assuming beforehand, right? It's like, wow, it's just all coming together. Yeah, I mean, it's like, um, it, it's been like um, throughout the months. Uh, it, it was like in the beginning, it was just like an idea. Okay, let's, like, let's try to work that. Then we launched it. And uh, after launching, we realized, okay, now this is getting serious. And then we started to raise some money. And after raising money from the crowdfunding campaign, we said, okay, we cannot go back. We were focused, very focused on how to make that work technically. And we were like also scared about people not showing up in the morning. I, I was literally shitting my pants the day before because we we had no idea whether the people whether these people would actually come or not. Right. So personally, when I thought, okay, this is really happening, is in the morning at the park when we when we saw the first people showing up with their like uh, bags and instruments and so on. That's when we realized that. that 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 was actually happening. But before that, we didn't even want, I, I didn't even want to think too much about that because that would have made me like very nervous. Yeah, I would imagine probably a few people didn't show up. And I, yeah, bet, sure. I bet those people afterwards now are like, oh shit, I should have showed up, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> Boy, did I miss out on that one. That was a great one. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so again, this is, this is seven years ago right? When, when all of this happens and we're talking today, so the power, the, the, the stick-to-itiveness, right? The stickiness of the project still carries forward. And obviously you guys have the organization, as you mentioned, but what's the future look like, right? What you've, you've created the past, you're in the present, but what, what's coming next? Are you doing tours? Are you going to do more concerts? What's all of that going to be? Yeah. Well, during the pandemic, we, we really worked hard on 
really unsexy stuff <laughs> as a com- as a company just to like work better together and uh be able to like uh face another phase of broken 1000 uh where a global tour is involved a very high number of musicians and subscribers needs to be achieved so basically our future now is like becoming a global community of musicians so coming from every corner of the world and we want to bring them together and make them leave the dream of like rock stars even if they're not rock stars so you know everybody anybody playing an instrument dreams of playing in a packed up stadium you know and this is an, a goal that is really hardly achievable by everyone. Sure. Uh, but when we're like a thousand people, it becomes achievable. So uh, we're trying for the future to create a global tour, a world tour, starting next year that covers at least three continents in the world. We would love to come to the United States, and I'm confident that we will. And on the other side, we would like to like uh, create opportunities for our musicians to play music, to meet, play together, uh, find friends all over the world, thanks to the network of Rocking 1000. So basically, these are the two main goals. So not just concerts, but also other initiatives that we can run through our app, uh, helping and enabling people to meet and play together. On the other side, we have like uh, other projects like writing the first original song composed for 1,000 rockers by 1,000 rockers. And this is another project that will be published next year. We have a song and we're gonna publish publish it next year. Nick Chester from JET is involved in this. And, and other projects like team building activities, parties. I mean, there's like a, plenty of opportunities when, where, where people, where, where music is involved. Also, you have shirts and merchandise and all, and all of that available out there. I, I noticed I'm, being in the States, it's you sell through a distributor over here as opposed to directly online. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we try to work just like any other band. So we sell concerts, we sell merchandise. We try to have fans. We have fans. We publish videos. We publish original songs. We're just like any other rock band, but with a thousand people playing uh, and people that change every time. So everywhere we go, there's like different musicians that participate in our events. And in this way, the the community grows. Yeah. And again, from a project management perspective, right? The definition of a project is a unique endeavor with a specific good or service that's produced out of it. And you just said it's, it's everyone is unique, right? I mean, you have different people coming in. So what you guys are doing is just, you know, I'm trying to make something not cool out of something that is cool is, is you're putting on a project every time you guys do one of these things. And (laughs) if you, if you get to the States, count me in on somebody that's willing to do whatever I can to help you guys make it play here. Cause I, I'll be there. Oh, we will. And, uh, and I'm one of the fans that's going to make it happen. Claudia, from your perspective as well, right? This is this is now a business, 
right? This is something that's ongoing. How do you participate in that? And how do you make sure that it's sustainable over time? What's your role within all of this? Yeah, we, about the concert, we change our model because now we, like Fabio told that we, the risk is uh, of the buyer, the, of the promoter. So we have uh, a fee, a flat fee, and uh, we have uh, some revenues uh, from the concert. So it's uh, a point for the economic of uh, the PNL of our model. It's a different uh, and uh, bigger project. We want to go around the world, so we will be ever soon. So let's let's record. That. I'm going to ask that that same question with Fabio, just because we we were breaking up a little bit, Claudia, and this way we'll be able to cut in. Maybe if it didn't come across locally, Fabio, same question. So Fabio, from a business model perspective, how does this become sustainable? Right? How do how do you continue to make sure that you're able to sustain? Rockin' 1000 as it goes forward into the future? Well, there are different revenue streams, but we, we just like work like any other band. So we sell concerts to promoters or producers who actually buy the show, take the risk, sell the tickets. They pay us like a fixed fee, a percentage on sales on top of the break-even of the event. So that's how the business model of the concert works. Plus we have like merchandise, uh, we sell rights for uh, what we play. Then we, and and we can, we could also like monetize the, the, the community, selling services, lessons, uh, perks of any kind. So basically there are like many opportunities for, for Rocking 1000. Uh, to be sustainable under an economical point of view. So, uh, you know, we've covered a lot. Man, there's so much more we could cover, right? We only have an hour's worth of time really to bring everything together. What would you say to somebody out there who has a crazy idea and just sitting around with their buddies or whatever and, and it could never happen, right? Have you learned anything that's shareable with somebody else that you know, the old dreams do come true, right? Uh, but what, what's your thoughts on advice to um, somebody? Obviously, dreaming is good. At the beginning of any process, we all need like an amount of enthusiasm that needs to be like huge. Because if you really want to make a dream happen, you really have to use all the enthusiasm that you have. And it has to be big in the very beginning. Because to make that work, I mean, there's a lot of effort, a lot of sacrifice, a lot of like not funny things that need to be done to make that work. And that's actually what brings value to that dream and uh, makes it like very, that makes you very, very happy when you actually can do it. I don't believe that in the very beginning, uh, of a dream, of, a, of an impossible dream, uh, it is necessary to plan everything because planning obviously is important in the beginning, but uh, you have to stay open and see actually what's happening during the path because uh, you never know what happens when you're trying to create something new. And if you're too focused 
on the only one plan that you have to make that work, you might lose opportunities. You're not going to enjoy the process and you probably follow the wrong path while on the other side, there might be a good path that leads you to accomplish your dream. Yeah, that's what I would actually say to someone with a crazy idea that has to start. I love that. Uh, you know, I'm a, obviously I'm a Foo Fighters fan, but I'm a, a ACDC fan from when I was a little kid and they've got a, a great song. It's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. It, it, <laughs> though the message there is it's not an overnight thing, right? You have to put in the effort. Oh my God, yes. To, to get there. So great yeah, message. Yeah, I would, I would also add something else to surround yourself by with people that are actually different from you. Mm. I mean, me and Claudia are really dear friends and we, we know each other since like a very long time, but she's very different from me in handling the situation and working. I am more in the clouds. <laughs> Claudia is on the ground. She is the one planning and doing like the general management of everything. And she's really good at that. And she's doing something that I'm really not able to do. I think that the combination of different personalities is what can really make a successful project. Yeah, I mean, we think about uh, the World Cup is going on right now, right, uh, in football. And, and listen, you can't win the game if you have just a team full of goalies, right? <laughs> you, you have to have everybody that can play their position. And that's uh, yeah. what you guys are describing there. And it's true on every project, right? The, there's so much, everybody is needed. So Fabio and, and Claudia, I certainly want to thank you. you you've you been my Dave Grohl, right? Uh, uh, I've been trying to get you on the show for a while and, and I'm so glad that you came. I hope that we were able to tell your story in a way that um, worked for you and, and for our audience as well. But there's there's more, right? If, if people want to learn more, if they want to be involved in Rocket 1000 in some way, what's the best way to to be able to connect and, and just do their part to, to do more? Well, we have a website, which is rocking1000.com that contains all the information about how to sign up and be part of a project as a volunteer or a musician. Uh, we're always open to welcome anybody willing to contribute to our mission. And then we have all our channels on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, we're everywhere. So just uh, just uh, write Rocking 1000, Google it, and we're everywhere. Thank you so much. And, and Claudia, any final comments from you that you want to share with the audience about the project and what you guys are doing now and what it's like working with Fabio and just being part of this massive movement? I want just to, to say that uh, we want to everywhere. So we want to come everywhere. There is, uh, there are musicians so we want to, to play everywhere and I am uh, uh, I, I, agree, I am agree with uh, Fabio about the team as the importance of uh, the difference fantastic thank you well thank you both so much for being uh, with us today and of course thank you to all of our listeners from around the world uh, as, as Fabio and Claudia know if you don't have listeners or followers then you don't exist right because you're only here because of those people that you're uh, sending content out to. Be sure to visit our project management office hours website at pmosquad.com slash podcast to check out all of our great shows. 
And a reminder to everybody that to subscribe on your favorite podcast channel, right? Go out on Spotify, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, whatever your podcast platform of choice is. Please go out and subscribe to that. Thank you to our sponsors, the PMO Squad and the PMO Leader. Without them, none of these shows would be possible. So I thank them. That's it for now. Office hours are closed. Until next time, I'm PMO Joe, and you've been listening to Project Management Office Hours. Thanks for listening to another episode of Project Management Office Hours with PMO Joe. You're not alone in your project management journey. We're here to help you achieve your goals. Subscribe to Project Management Office Hours on your favorite podcast platform to catch all of our episodes and hear industry leaders share their story and secrets to success.